Hey everyone, it's Matt and Lucas. We got a quick announcement for you. As some of you may have noticed, we've been kind of alluding to revamping the website a little bit um, and adding some new content on there. Super excited to announce as of this episode, we are officially live with the website. Go check it out. Thanks for playing .live. We got a lot of exciting written content on there from everything covering from, you know, our reviews like on Hogwarts Legacy, some think pieces, some reviews on games we're not even going to do for the podcast, but exclusive to the website like uh, Destiny 2's Lightfall and a lot of other great stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's very exciting. You know, uh, it's been a lot of work basically this year. Matt and I made it a big goal for the podcast to actually have more written content out there. Um, you know, for those of you who've been listening for a while, we've always been in growth mode, you know, trying to promote the yes. pod, trying to get our voices out there. And thanks for playing Dot .live. Um, we're looking to turn into a real content-driven website with, one, all of our regular reviews that we do. So you could always check there for basically the written version of every review we do for this podcast. But additional reviews that we don't have time for for the podcast that are covered by a wide variety of our contributors. Um, Hot Mickey, as you know, a contributor uh, Chambers, who's been on this, um, producer Sam, um, Hyalette, Orion, a uh, lot of great people, including some new voices who maybe you guys haven't heard of before. So check out Thanks for Playing Live for the latest and greatest in video game, nerd culture, movie, TV content. And we hope to see you there. Now for the episode. Hey everyone, it's Matt. And this is Lucas. And this is Thanks for Playing. The podcast where we break down the most iconic video games the world has to offer. Oh. I don't know, it's pretty late. I'm pretty I'm, I'm sure I just upset some people in my apartment actually. Uh, <laughs> it is late. Complex. It is a late recording tonight. <laughs> yeah. Uh, boys. We have a fun one today. Our first game i think this one's gonna release in the new year actually so first game of the new year um our schedule's been a little janky lately we got kind of messed up with our god of war release so i'm gonna tentatively say this might be a double month and we're gonna try and have pentiment release at the end of this month depending how much lucas travels allow him to play it just so we yeah. can get back on track but tentatively look forward to that if not we'll release something either the last week or first week Last yeah. week of January or first week of February. Um, I think people are mostly okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just a, I'm a, I'm, I'm an anal like that. I'm, I'm type mm -hmm. A. But, um, oh man. We had a fun one. But first, really quickly, just to break the ice a little bit, I want to talk about a book I've been reading that is just so sad. <laughs> oh yeah, what are you reading again? Uh, I'm reading a new book club book. Um called how high we go in the dark it just released this year it is very oh, yeah. much about the, the pan not about covid pandemic pandemic right it is about a pandemic and i dead ass went to bad bed crying a few nights ago whoa it is, yeah it is what, so more, crying harder sad. than you normally when you normally go to bed or yeah like crying <laughs> harder than i normally do um and it oh, man it was like Normally the tears soothe me to sleep, but these tears just <laughs> ate away at my soul. This book is just so sad. Um, to be clear, it's a great book. <laughs> you want like, to give the premise? Uh, I think people are just dying to like what. I, I what need to know book? what this is about. Yeah, so the book is it, it's like an alternate reality, or sometime in the future, whatever you want to look, everyone look at it, where. Basically, you know, climate change, um, Arctic caps start melting, and then we uncover a body in one of these Arctic caps that melt, and that body is contains a prehistoric virus, basically. And what this virus does, um, and it primarily affects kids, as the book goes on, you learn there is like a adult strain, essentially, that has evolved. But this primarily affects kids, and what it does is it, it's, it like overwrites your organs cells to where your liver will start producing cells like it's a brain. So and then your, your brain will start producing cells that would be like in a heart or a liver. So your Ooh. body gets confused essentially. Like it doesn't Ooh. know where to produce the proper cells for your, you know, like cellular regeneration or whatever you want to call it. Um, 
And like I said, it primarily affects kids, and it is just so so sad because I mean, sick children, you know. Oh my God, um, it sounds like it's a horrifying there's, disease. And then one of the ways they're they're treating treating it is, you know, they're they're trying to replace organs in these kids as they need to be replaced. <laughs> and one of the treatments they do is they're growing organs in pigs, like human organs within pigs. However, one of the like pigs, like one of the things go wrong and the pig ends up developing human speech and human intelligence from the human stem cells. And this pig like gains sentience basically and can like communicate intelligently. And that's the one that made me cry the most. Oh my God. It's like, it sounds like a horrible curse. Like a, like just like a, like a human, it's basically a human in a pig's body. Yeah. In a sense. Um, but like it understands that it is a pig. It just is a pig with human level intelligence. So it's not like I'm a trapped, you know, it's just a very aware pig and also aware that it was literally bred to be killed for other people. Um, so yeah, it is just, that's most pigs. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, maybe not that aware, but yes. Um, <laughs> and it's like a collection of short stories that takes place like linearly lin- lin- in a linear time uh, timeline along this so it's all the same universe same timeline but it observes different people and like how the virus evolves and how like the world is dealing with it another one is there is a euthanasia amusement park for children because they figure might as well at least let them die having fun and the because the hospitals are too filled up and the final ride is one that intentionally kills them by first knocking them out from the g-force and then the rest of it like stops their heart oh my wow. god wow that is so and that's dark. viewed in, in this world that's viewed as a mercy yeah that is um, so dark. so that's like the broad oh level god. of the book so far so i normally i like to read because it helps me fall, fall asleep uh, <laughs> but this one i mean i'm still it still helps me fall asleep but every night i'm just like Going to bed really fucking sad. <laughs> I, who picked this? I mean, I'm just thinking club. about it right now, and I'm kind of tearing up. I'm thinking of who, the pig. Who's making oh you read this? God. Who's pick was fucking this? Fucking Corbin, <laughs> dude. That, I knew Corbin was sick in the head, dude. I'm literally Corbin, tearing up right now. Good God. Um, I know. Holy shit. I know. I've. It's been I rough. should not read this book. I'm a very emotional. Bearing person. in mind, I'm this like destroy me. I'm literally only a third of the way book, and I've like been on the verge of tears every night. I've read it, and I've cried going to bed at least one night so have you told this to corbin yet <laughs> uh, yeah i complained i'm like bro what the fuck <laughs> <laughs> it's it's rough but yeah for the for what we're talking about i have a book club with some friends um where we take turns every month picking the book and the current one is just it's a doozy it's a doozy Dang. but and what is what is uh, that one called again just how so high we go in the dark how high great we go title in the dark yeah great title. really good great book just very sad but uh enough of that um we're you know, the the pig in this book really affected me. Unlike the pigs in our game today. That's right, everyone. Today, we are talking about the number one Harvest Moon Simulator, <laughs> Stardew Valley. Duh. Um, really quickly before we get into any more, as always, everyone remember, you can find um, the podcast online at TFE Podcast. That's at TFE Podcast with an S at the end. Um, you can go into the link tree on any of those. You can hang out with us in the Discord. Join the Discord. It's a great place to talk to myself, Lucas, Hot Mickey, and all the other lovely people in our little community we got. Um, it's a good time. You can also find the link to our Discord on our website. Thanks for playing .live. And, of course, you can also... Email us at thanksforplayingpod at gmail.com to get a personal invite to the Discord. Awesome. Yeah, Stardew Valley today. Um, this was voted on by the Discord uh, last month for our December game. Uh, released in February of 2016. It is considered a modern classic. Uh, is 9.5 from IGN, 8.75 from Game Informer, a 9 out of 10 from Polygon, and an overall 89 out of 100 on Metacritic. Um, called by some one of the greatest games of all time. Um, really interesting story of development on this one that I'm excited to get into. It, I, I'm the one that put this game on the vote, on the ballot um, for our December game because I love this game. Uh, I've talked about Stardew Valley quite a bit. Um, I'll be speaking 
you know, spoiler alert, pretty favorably about Stardew Valley throughout our time here. Uh, I know that Hot Mickey actually got a chance to play a little bit throughout December before he got uh, distracted by Balloon's Tower Defense. Hot Mickey, you're not yes. required to play our games, you know, so it's totally fine. I, I, um, I just want to be part of the fun. <laughs> so um, we have, since our God of War episode, also instituted a little bit of a different change, uh, a change to the format. Um, we have included story and world um, inside of our our overall sort of podcast uh, schedule or, you know, podcast format for these episodes. So, um, Matt, should we, st- should we start with initial thoughts first, then story world, or should we jump into story world first? What do you think? Well, let me just give the, I guess, the most basic synopsis I can, and then we can kind of get into the whatever story there is of it yeah. and uh, and go from there and get into game design and what have you. But um, so Stardew Valley. After getting fed up with the monotonous nature of the modern world, the player's character moves to a plot of land in a small house gifted to them by their late grandfather in the fictional city Pelican Town. Stardew Valley. That's right. Yeah, you know, it's a pretty, it's just a, a very brief setup. Um, you know, this is a simulation slash, you know, it, it's a sim, it's a farming sim game, right? So very, very easy setup. Um, not a whole lot going on there in terms of story. And most of the game is sort of up to your own devices to kind of do whatever you want in the game. There's no time limit. There's no crazy goals. Um, there's not, there's no time, there's nothing that you're fighting against. There's no like ongoing evil. There's no ongoing anything really. There's a few overarching story themes that you can kind of play through like the Jojo corporation, the community center that I'll kind of get into when we hit game design, but we can jump into initial thoughts. Uh, let's hit, let's, let's get the, the hot mat initial thoughts. Then we'll get the hot Mickey initial thoughts. Yeah. So, oh man. Um, It actually started out positive. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, you know, I got to my farm. I, with the, not the hoe, the, the scythe, you know, I cut some grass. And then I was like, ah, shit, I kind of get it. I kind of <laughs> get it. <laughs> and I felt pretty, that was pretty satisfying. Um, but then I realized I was going to cut a lot of grass and I was going to hit, a lot of trees with the X button or whatever and, you know, hoe a lot of land and plant a lot of seeds. And I, I very, I realized, you know, very quickly that the, these kind of games for the most part just aren't for me. You know, even looking back, um, it, it's interesting because I did play Harvest Moon growing up and I did actually enjoy it quite a bit from what I can remember. But these games today just don't do it for me. And, it, you know, it really kind of can be seen in the way I play some other games too, you know, whether like I'm playing, um, when I've been playing like Minecraft with some of my other friends or when we had our Valheim server going for a while, like I was never really partaking too much in like the, you know, kind of like this, the, the building part of things like building the compound or whatever that we stayed at in Valheim or, you know, doing like collecting food and stuff like that. What I really enjoyed was going out and exploring, like doing dungeons or whatever. And when I played, um, Minecraft, you know, I was just like, Oh, let's go find the ender dragon. You know, I wasn't really too interested as far as like building our settlement per se, as much as I was engaging with the world. Um, and at the, at the end of the day, you know, it's interesting because I think Stardew Valley is a very good game. I think it's very good at what it does, you know, and I, I, I normally a lot, a lot of times in our interviews, I'm pretty critical if I just don't like it. But this is one time where I truly can recognize that this just it's just not a not a Mac game, it's just not a Mac game. So God of War was a six, though. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Spec Ops: The Line is better than God of War. Um, Stand by that, Hot Mickey. What, what are your initial thoughts? God damn it, Matt! You pretty much said every single thing I was gonna say, like <laughs> word for word. Even the part where, like, I recognize Stardew is an amazing game. Like it, like it looks very charming. Like I appreciate like the art style of the game a lot. I appreciate like 
how like it lays out the game and like what you can build towards uh it definitely hits a niche very well uh just uh i i also liked interacting with a lot of the characters i think it was fun like building up relationships like uh, i i think my favorite my my favorite one was the was the hobo guy who sits at the top of the town uh linus has linus that yes, guy. That's, that's his name i love linus uh but yeah like but it just it just feels monotonous to me most of the time uh to the point where you're just like uh like i'm over i just feel like i'm doing chores most of the time i don't want to be doing that in a video game like the only time these kind of games hit for me is when it hits an interest of mine like say with valheim like i i think vikings are really cool like it like it, it definitely makes you feel like a Viking. I have no interest of in being a farmer. <laughs> like really, not even a little uh, not, bit. Not 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 a hot take. Maybe hot take, but I don't think being a farmer is very interesting at all. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, I sort of expected. Um, Matt had kind of preambled this a little bit. Um, I told today, my sister or that I was going to be playing this, and she's like, "You're going to hate it." Yeah, yeah. No, I I <laughs> figured that you would well, would not like yeah. this um, that much. Now I'm glad that you guys have both said that you recognize kind of the like the scope and sort of like the prestige of this game because this is a very I truly view this as one of the greatest games ever. It it really 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 is that good. I I know that it's really not for everybody, um, but it's it's sort of like. I'll just say, yeah, I've have I have three different save files for this game. I have one on PC. I have two on Switch. I made Katie hours? play this game. I have I made a river farm for this playthrough a little bit, which I I didn't get super super far in. I did a um, forest one. Nice, nice. I I went back to my old farm, played through that a lot. Um, got through a season. Um, I every animal on my farm is named after every one of my friends. There's a like a cow named Mickey. There's a chicken named Matt. How was um, I not a cat? There's like, there's how was I not a like, cat? There's only, you only there get like one cat. Some sort of subliminal. And how was it not like, me? Why, why am I a chicken? <laughs> I literally like every one of my every one of my siblings has a name. Like people I've worked with at multiple previous jobs is on my fa- on my farm. Like I, I have like thirty animals. So it's like over when I go like, oh, this person's name is Mickey. Okay, I probably. <laughs> probably named this person like six years ago or some something like that (laughs) and then i find somebody from like like i find walmer who was like my old boss like when i lived in vegas so i'm like oh okay that was from when i was playing about four years ago so like even stardew valley my save my main farm has sort of been like a timeline for even my own life and i'm married How how many hours are on your main save lucas i have to check it's a lot it's a lot it's it's probably 150 200 hours God, maybe that's crazy that's it yeah. i can't imagine spending that yeah. much time on i've played game. it over many that's many insane. years like i used to literally like on my switch like in college between classes just play stardew valley and then when i got home just chilling in bed before bed just like play some stardew valley and just chill on that and like over time like i'm married in the game i don't have a i don't think i ever got to a kid point uh having a kid but like i have a nursery my my house is huge it's awesome um i just i love 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 this game so much and there's a lot i really like about it like i think it does a lot of things i'm not sure how far you guys got into the game but it does a lot of things really really right um in terms of like systems and goals um i think it's interesting to play a game without a time limit on it i think it's interesting to play a game without a goal um and a game that actually pulls you in in a super charming way in like a very like non-confrontational type of way where it's really like Hey, here's some nice music. Here's some pretty colors. Like, sort of do your thing, you know. And I think uh, games don't do that, you know. Games like kind of hit you over the head with goals. Games kind of like give you numbers and bars to fill up. And you're a lot of what we do as gamers is to try to be like as efficient as possible with our games, to find the fastest route, to find the fastest way to gather a certain resource. That's like a lot of what we were doing with Valheim, even. And that part of my brain, like the systems part of my brain, the part of me that really loves like finding efficiencies or finding problem solving, I think really takes to a simulation type of game like this or like a Valheim. I really like building a base and finding the fastest, most efficient way to like, you know, store items and create my inventories and all that kind of stuff. So this game for me is awesome. I I love this game. What what do you think is the biggest appeal about these games overall, Lucas? 
Well, I think for Stardew Valley, it's it's the fact that the game is not asking you anything. It's not asking of anything of you, right? And it has these really cool things. Like I'll, I'll give a very specific example. <clears throat> um, I the first thing that everybody does is they play Stardew Valley and they start gathering resources. They chop down a tree. They get grass, you know, and then you have some seeds that you're given at the very beginning of the game, and you go, oh, I got to plant these, right? Okay, kind of clear some land, put the hoe down, chop a tree, whatever. And then you go, oh man, I'm out of inventory space. And you realize you can craft a chest. So your first kind of solution is, okay, let's chop down some wood, craft a chest, and then put the items in the chest. Uh, And then you put some space together to plant your crops. Usually that's like a few minutes in. It's like very early in the game. And there's... There's now an inventory management system. There's now a chest that you can store items into. But hey, this like is taking a little while to like water these crops every day. Is there anything I can do to like water my crops more efficiently? And you realize that you can make a sprinkler. Okay, well, how do I make a sprinkler? Okay, you need this certain type of metal. Where do I get that metal? I get it from the mine. What do I need to enter the mine? I need to do this. Like it's sort of like uh, you have a goal in mind of something that you want to do, and you're just trying to find the steps yourself to get to that thing. And it's like, I want to automatically water my crops. Okay, well, I need to get this thing, you know? And I need to get the components for that thing. And that'll lead you down this path, which will lead you down another path. And now, like, this certain way of making money is very efficient. And, oh, do I want to plant this crop at this time? It'll take this many days. Everything's like a little puzzle that you're solving. and. For me, I think that's really engaging. It's really fun. And it's it's fun because the game is sort of happening in your head a lot, right? Like I find myself talking to myself a lot when I'm playing Stardew Valley and going like, okay, move that over here. Okay, pull out all the animals. Okay, milk the cows. And there's sort of a routineness about it, but there's also like these goals that kind of come up. For instance, um, you guys didn't get this far, but you can make coffee in this game. And you can only make it in the springtime because you have to plant coffee beans. You put the coffee beans in a specific little thing that you get on your farm, like a hopper, and you make coffee. So I made enough coffee one spring to last me the whole year. I have hundreds of cups stored in my fridge because you can get a fridge. And now you drink coffee, and when you drink coffee, your speed increases. So you just run faster. So every morning, you drink, you wake up, you drink coffee, and you water your plants. It's, like, amazing. <laughs> <laughs> like, and, like, you can learn recipes and, like, cook meals, and you don't even learn how to do that until you get a kitchen in your house, which you can't get until you hit a certain threshold. So as you move through this game, more and more things get unlocked. As those things get unlocked, another you learn that you have to do something else, and it just kind of goes on and on like that. You could play the game for 200 hours until you realize there's a casino in the game, and you could find out that there's a casino. And you can gamble all your money. Wait, my, my, my opinion on this game has changed. I know, me too, actually. <laughs> I have a gambling yeah, like, problem. So I, I, mean, also, I, also, also, guys, I, I mean, also have a gambling problem. The game keeps opening up and opening up and opening up every single step of the way. I've been playing for this many hours, and I, I'm still, there's, there's like still deeper levels to go in this game. And I still haven't even done everything. I'm sure, Matt, your sister would say the same thing, actually. Yeah, you know, and I, speaking of my sister, she did actually let me play on her save a little bit just so I can get a better idea of kind of a, you know, because she had almost 250 hours on one of hers. She has more so than she, me. Yeah, she gave me an opportunity to kind of see, like, what goes on in the game when you get deeper. And I was pretty blown away by just how much it opens up, um, whether you're, you're mining, because there's so many ways to play it, too, whether you're mining, whether you want to go fuck around with the wizard, whether you yeah, want to do whatever, <laughs> go to the sewers, go fight some monsters in the caverns, you know, it, 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 it opens up in a lot of incredible ways and in ways that I, from the hour or for the two, three hours I put it on my own, I would never have expected it to open up that way. You know, it's, um, and I think the reason people like it so much too probably is it opens up in, in, in many ways organically, right? Because when you think of a lot of games, you know, let's say God, God of War, for example, right? Where at a certain point you get the spear and at certain points you get to play as a trace. And then in a very like by design timetable fashion, this mechanic is introduced to you at this point. Right. Whereas right. in a game like Harvest Moon, 
the, or not Harvest <laughs> Stardew Valley. Stardew Valley. You're experiencing all these things or organically, and there's not a set timetable of when you do get something. You know, it, like you said, it's perfectly feasible that maybe someone stumbles upon that casino ten hours into the game, and someone else stumbles upon it a hundred hours or whatever it is, right? And some people maybe don't even realize that they can be doing all this extra mining or like going and finding all these monsters, and some people realize that the they can do it earlier, which yeah. is in some ways both a <coughs> excuse me, Bless both you. Bless like you. Um, a positive and a negative for the game because for I think for me and maybe Hot Mickey echoes this as well. Part of the reason that I don't like this game is it, and this is crazy coming from me because <laughs> I often say how much I love agency in games. However, this is like too much agency. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, this is the most freedom. agency you could have. You can do whatever um, the hell you want. <laughs> I, I think the reason it doesn't appeal to me as much is because there is no broader goal. You know, I don't understand what I'm building towards because the game doesn't end. There is no ending, you know. Um, it, this game is just the ultimate comfort food is what it is. It's comfort food. And I, I just, I think with my limited time, I'm available to play games these days it is not as interesting as some of the other options out there. Um, and, 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 you know, maybe if I was playing this game in college or even high school where I just had more free time, it would seem a bit more enticing and a bit more soothing to like the high stress environment of college or whatever it may be. But it, nowadays it's like, it, it just doesn't do it for me. Mickey, you're going to say something. Uh, like, I'm like sort of with Matt there, which like, like in that, the fact that there's no higher goal to obtain, like as a gamer, I, I'm, I really enjoy like reaching like the peak of a game, whether it's like hundred percenting a game or like being in like the top like five percent of the people play. Like I, I love being a completionist type of person, and I don't. And Stardew doesn't really like fit hit that for me. Uh, yeah, it, I get that. Like you, you just do whatever you want. I'm not a very creative person. <laughs> I just I'm very like straight to, straight to the point. I I want to be told what to do, and I want I just want to do it super fucking well. I, yeah. I just want to like be as optimal with it as possible. And I I hate when I'm given so many different choices and like not and like having to like find everything on my own guys just think it's tedious i don't think i don't think it's yeah, interesting my, doing that my my counter argument there is that i think there is like an optimization aspect to a game like this or like a problem solving aspect where you are playing it with with very good efficiency at least when you play a little bit more for instance like mickey did you find yourself like waking up and then you watered your crops and then did a certain thing like what was what was your routine when you were playing the game uh i had a unique playthrough i didn't do this alone i am in a discord with like a bunch of smash friends and a few of them are really into stardew valley and i did a farm with them oh cool where uh and like they pretty much like showed me the ropes of the game blah, blah, blah. so like i pretty much like got what you're supposed to do in the early game immediately uh so like yeah, I pretty much got what the rundown of what you're supposed to do the early game of Stardew. Gotcha, gotcha. Matt, did you did you find yourself entering a routine or like trying to be efficient with your farm in the hours that you played? Yeah, it was really in the beginning, especially to just focusing a lot on making sure that I water my crops, I go buy whatever new seeds I need to, and then I go to bed because I don't have any food yet <laughs> to eat to keep me energized. Um, <laughs> but then it got more into okay, now I'm gonna do this maybe do a little mining then go into town at night oh it's the egg festival let's go easter egg hunting or whatever so there was like a definite routine it really in many ways it was like an adult routine where it's work during the day kind of play at night you know (laughs) um so that was interesting oh my god i i uh, in the bar i found the arcade machine i I spent a little too much oh Oh, yeah there's so many (laughs) games there which is really really fun (laughs) and something i do want to mention earlier that mickey and i both brought up about how there is no end goal to be fair within the game there are a bunch of mini goals to achieve so it's not like it's just blindly saying go figure it out do whatever you want the game does give you some goals but not like a not a literal end game 
Yeah, yeah, like I, I think one of the paths is like either like you help uh, recreate the civic center, community, community the, center, the community center, or you go yeah. help the like supermarket. That's there. yeah, yeah. So the whole idea, one of the overarching themes of Stardew Valley, uh, for those of you that haven't played it, is there's a dilapid like dilapidated community center where the mayor is trying to restore it, but he requires like very unique items that you need to gather for various seasons. So you need to gather like various types of fish, various types of crops, um, various types of metals and stuff. And you're sort of restoring the community center through like that by the gathering of those items. And as you restore the community center, the town starts thriving more and more. And so there's like kind of this background theme of like community being local, um, kind of like a self-sustaining like local economy. There's like a lot of that. They actually, it's pre actually a pretty anti-capitalist game because there's a supermarket <laughs> that's run by a corporation called, yeah. called Joja. And Joja is supposed to be like Amazon. Um, and they're kind of coming in, they're big. And like, that's where you actually worked before you moved to Stardew Valley. And uh, yeah, they're sort of the evil corporation. You can go the route to actually help them take over the town and destroy the community center to open up like a, like a supermarket basically. Um, but we don't, we don't do that. We don't do that because we're, we don't we're do good that. People. No, no, no. Yeah, we're yeah, good people. Yeah. We, I, we all choose to fix the community center. I think, and last, last word on story and world is there is like something about Stardew Valley that, and I think it's really what keeps people kind of coming back over and over is like the music, the charm and like the seasonality of the game is really beautiful to me. Like genuinely. The music's and, like, great. The, yeah. The music's great. I mean, the, the, gra the art is, the art style is really, really good too. Uh, like I, I really, really like it. And I, there's even like the opening thing, like the opening kind of cinematic is like your grandfather on the bed saying like, there will come a time where like you will become overburdened by the troubles of everyday life of modern life. And I want to give you this farm cause I learned that myself and that's why I moved to this farm and like had that, had this life. So the idea is sort of like your grandfather, he at one point in his life figured out that m the modern world was too much and he needed to kind of simplify. And then you do the same. And that's like what initiates the whole mo you moving to Stardew Valley. And even like, um, there's like cinematics, like at the end of your third year or at the beginning of your third year, one of those, there's a shrine on the farm that's on every farm. And it's, it's just your grandfather's shrine. So when you, at the end of your third year, his ghost comes to you and talks to you and kind of tells you like, you're doing great. This is what life is all about. Like, it's all about like community and like living off the land and like not succumbing to like the troubles. And I don't know, it just hits. Like to me, that just really, really hits. And like, it, it comes from like a pretty genuine place because the developer of this game too was kind of working like a kind of a big, big time job, like comp sci in Seattle and decided that he wanted to like make his own game and was supported by his girlfriend in the meantime and made this game out of like pure love and joy for the genre. Um, and it shows and it, and it really shows. I, I hope that uh, your grandpa chews you out if you help Joja. I know. <laughs> it's like, dog, what are you doing? <laughs> that's not that's the way it was supposed to go. You that will. And you go, Grandpa, I play by a different set of rules. <laughs> I'm a different kind of farmer. I was a, a businessman doing business. <laughs> um, That'd be great. Yeah, I, I got to say, I really did appreciate just the that. Because I mean, that core message is kind of thrown at you right at the beginning of the game, you know, and as a... As, as a guy that works a very corporate job, you know, I really, it's like, damn, maybe I do. Yeah. One thing, one thing I thought would, would resonate with you, Matt is like, well, one, the corporate job thing, but also like the game is very much about like, you know, loving nature and like being like living out, like being more in the, involved in like the land that you're a part of, you know, I think you, I know you like you yourself, a big outdoorsman. Love camping. I mean, that message hiking. definitely resonates, but it, it doesn't work for me in pixels where I'm sitting in my apartment. <laughs> I gotcha. The I message gotcha. is great. I'm not d disagreeing on that, but it's not enough to make me feel connected or immersed in that game in any capacity. Maybe if it was like a VR thing, maybe, but um, not not here. I do want to say, though, uh, the developer's name, I, I really... Well, his name is Eric Barone, so shout out to Eric Barone. But his um, moniker for like developing stuff is <laughs> Concerned Ape, which I read that. I'm like, man, that would make <laughs> be like a prime nft project name it would be it is actually totally yeah 
Because what the big yeah. one is um, Board Ape, right? Yeah. Yeah, Board yeah. Ape. That's right. That's right. Um, all right, moving on to art style. Um, just you know, pixels. Great pixel art for me. Um, I love the color, and seasonally, I really do love like the changes in the land over all the different seasons. I think it's really cool. Um, and I don't know. I think the game communicates like everything very well, despite pixels. Like it's very easy to like understand like tools and environment and like kind of um, perspective and like everything is very, it's in terms of pixel art, I think it is very well done. Um, because like the perspective that you're playing at sort of like, even when you go to the mines and fight. Yeah. Not sure what you guys thought of the pixel art, but like Matt, what did, what did you think of it? You know, it's interesting because uh, pixel art can only be taken so far, I think. And I mean, it's not bad. It's not great. It just is. <laughs> Some games look phenomenal, I think. For, let me rephrase this, actually. I, I think it's just okay in this game, and that's more so a product of the setting of the game rather than um, the developer not having the artistic ability to make it great. You know, it, for the most part, it is just a basic farm. Whereas, you know, a game like Chrono Trigger or a game like Undertale, the setting is inherently much more interesting. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I, I think I think Stardew does a pretty good job with the art stuff. I mean, every, there's portraits for like every character and like emotional reactions to every character portrait. There's like different environmental like factors. So like during the spring, there'll be like cherry blossoms that are falling so like there's like a whole like kind of screen. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you guys got to like the spring part, but like during different seasons, there's like leaves falling in the fall. There's like all these nice little touches that are kind of included in the game, which I think is really cool. Um, like I said, I think I think it's like there's a labor of love with like the pixel art that really like is doing basically as good as you can do with environment with pixel art. Um, and I th I think that's that's pretty special for the game, but that's just me. Uh, sound design. Uh, Mickey, I know you really like the music. The music was so nice. Like, it, yeah. it definitely like made me feel like like I was in the environment. Yeah, like it was nice, yeah. peaceful, so soothing. Like, it got me in the mood to actually like try to do like the actual farming stuff. Yeah, uh, like. <laughs> but and it, the music was, really was nice. actually composed also by um, Concerned Ape, the one single developer, which is really really cool. Um, kind of like the Toby Fox thing with with Undertale, where it's like the the game is basically created by one individual, and you know you, you can tell that the music is so closely tied to the vibe and the art style and the, just the art in general that this person developed, and it's it's it really shows. I think it's awesome. I was gonna say he pulled an old Toby, just doing it all himself. <laughs> yeah, um. yeah. And <clears throat> again, the other the other component too is you know the seasons of the game that revolve and change. The music changes, the colors change. I mean, everything changes depending on what season you're in. Which I think, I think the music just plays a really big role there. Um, there's like little things like sometimes the sound is, um, you know, when you're chopping down a tree or when you're like doing little chores that are a little more monotonous. Sometimes the sounds can just like start drilling into your ear <laughs> over a long period of time, depending on what chore or task you're doing in the game. So there's that. That's that's not exactly a product of, of poor sound design by any means. It's, it's really just more of like a, the, the repetition that can come, come around in the game sometimes like bleeds in through the sound design, I guess. Um, that would be my only take there. Yeah. yeah. It's a, I, I, I liked it. I mean, you know, I was listening to it, I was doing my notes and I was just like, Ah oh, shit! I should probably water my plant. You know, uh, <laughs> it's it's good sound design though. Like it's very soothing, and I you know it very clearly is trying to invoke that kind of calmness. I'd say so. Mm -hmm. I got gotcha. you. Uh, all right, NPC award. We're we're blasting through this one. Uh, I'll start. Uh, I I'm gonna go with uh, the person who I wifed up in uh, in my main save, uh, Maru, who's my wife. Uh, she is awesome. She's kind of like the brainiac daughter of Robin and I'm forgetting his name. I can't believe I'm forgetting his name. Uh, but Maru's super cool. She wears overalls. She has glasses. She's, uh, just there's there, when you're meeting certain people in the town, you can kind of start forming romantic relationships with people. And like, it's always kind of like, it sort of says a lot about you of who you go for is like kind of there's a deep psychological thing there because everyone's kind of a different archetype there's like a pretty boy there's like a jock there's like a it girl um there's like kind of a disturbed like kind of 
musician emo type dude. Uh, there's like all these people that you can like kind of form romantic relationships with. But I was like, man, Maru has a telescope in her room. She's just like smart and interested in science. That's cool. I, I dig that. And I'm like, looking at this girl in the Stardew Wiki right now, and this is totally a, a Lucas girl. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so, so the cool thing is, as you form deeper relationships with different characters, you eventually have cinematics specific for those characters, and they're they're really short and sweet, and they're little payoffs that you get. And the Maru one is like, it's so awesome. Like as you're like sort of like increasing your you know relationship status with that character. You go one night at a certain night, you like go to a certain location at a certain time of day, and she just has her telescope out. And like there's this whole cutscene where she's telling talking to you about like the stars and the moon and like space. And then you look through the telescope with her. And it's like the music's amazing. It's like it's awesome. I took like so many screenshots when that was happening in my in my game. I was like, oh my God, this is so sweet. This is like so, I was so overcome with like the romance of like the situation. I genuinely felt like it was like a sweet movie that I was a, like a sw- genuinely sweet movie scene I was watching or something. Um, so yeah, going to give it to Maru. How, my, how my in wife. depth are the romances Lucas and how really fleshed out are the characters? Would you say they're pretty fleshed out? They're, they're decently fleshed. I mean, it's not like a dating sim, but like it's, it's pretty, it's, it's not as deep as like your average, like dating sim type thing. It's secondary definitely to like the farming gameplay and all that. But I mean, Maru's sick. Like you talk to her, like like she lives in the house. You can talk to her. You can hug, and like she updates you on like her science projects that she's doing. So that's pretty cool. And then eventually you could have a kid, um, and you can you know you can wife up or husband up anybody. So there's no limit to there. It's like completely open. Like you can be a male character, and you can like have a romantic relationship with another man in the town, you know? So it's completely uh, open, like polygamy. Like, oh no, no. You can only be married to one person at a time. You actually can get divorced and then remarried, which is pretty funny. Um, That's intense. What's that, that dialogue like in this? I don't know. I've never done it. I've never done that, but um, yeah, I mean the game could be played over so many years that like you could just keep going and like it, it can get pretty weird. Um, but yeah, you could uh, like, it's praised for actually being like pretty LGBTQ friendly for that reason. Um, which even for now is really cool. But in 2016, which is really not that long ago, that's kind of leading the way, um, or, you know, really being a part of a good, a good positive wave in that regard. So yeah. NPC award boys. I got to go with the wizard. Um, my interactions with him were, limit limited but i just was like damn there's a wizard there's a, just a wizard there yeah there's just a wizard living living outside the town and uh, and i forget this was on my sister's save i was playing around for a bit and like he asked me to go do something and he's like he said something like oh yeah i'd i'd, I'd ask my wife but well she's <laughs> she's my ex-wife now <laughs> like there was some sort of dialogue like that and I was just like, oh, this guy fucks. Like, yeah. this guy's tight. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Did, was uh, your sister married on her save? I don't believe so, no. Oh. She had me play. She had two saves. One that was like 200 plus hours. And the one was like 120, 130. And she specifically asked me to play on the 121. So I didn't accidentally mess up her main save or something. Wow. Yeah. So she might have been on the, she might have been on the bigger one. I'm not sure. Dang, I, I'm I'm gonna DM Sarah see what see what's going see what's cracking with her Stardew Valley save. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hot Mickey, you got an NPC award? I know you didn't play too much, too much, but which yeah. Uh, well, I did answer it earlier with uh, the hobo up top, Linus. Oh, Linus, yes, Linus, love that guy. Yeah. Um, all right, companion piece pick. Uh, I'll start. I'll go with uh, the 1978 romance farming movie. Days of Heaven by Terrence Malick. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my favorite directors. Uh, this is a really cool movie. I, I think you guys might might actually really enjoy it. Um, it's kind of heady and artsy, but the cool thing about this movie is it was actually shot. It's about like people that go onto a farm and sort of um, in like the 1800s sort of go and work on this farm. And there's like a romance that blossoms between two of the workers. Um, and there's like a love triangle with like the owner of the farm as well. More of like a plantation, I guess. But the cool thing about the movie is it was entirely shot at magic hour, like dusk basically. And sometimes dusk lasts like 
30 minutes or an hour, depending on the time of year. So the whole movie was filmed like an hour at a time over like a long period of time. So the whole movie has this very dreamlike feel. It's like super, super beautiful. It's called Days of Heaven. Um, just recommendation for anybody out there. All right. Uh, Mickey, what do you got for us? I'm going to go with a novel by the name of Across Five April, uh, which is a book about, uh, it's about a, it follows the perspective of a boy on a farm and his older brothers go into the war, into the civil war. So it's like 1850s. Uh, one of them goes for the Confederacy, one goes to the Union. Uh, and it like follows his life on like growing up on the farm, uh, like doing all like the farm stuff, also like keeping up to date with like all the war stuff and how their brother, uh, his brothers are doing. And this book really stuck with me. I read this in high school uh, because like it was like pretty much like a growing of age uh, kind of story. Uh, and like being in high school, I'm like, I was like resonating with this kid a lot. And like, you should seem like he starts off out of this, like an eight year old and goes up to like 13, 14. I forget how old he ends up getting, but you just, you get to like be with him growing up on this farm and like learning all the, uh, like the, the kind of life it was during that time period. Uh, and I don't know. That's just the first thing I thought of, uh, when I was playing this game. All right. Well, oh, wait for it. What happened? <laughs> oh, I was, I was so confused right there for a second. I thought like we lagged um, out or something. No, no. Um, yeah, I just sneezed there really quickly. Everyone. Uh, well, I'm glad we were all in sync on the farm themes that are going on here. Um, I picked Animal Farm, the book. Oh, uh, nice. by okay. George Orwell. I think everyone probably had to read that, and probably a high school book. I would say, yeah. not really middle school. Um, very classic book about uh, written by George Orwell uh, about animals that basically start socialism on their farm. <laughs> it's like, funny when you say it, but it's true. <laughs> yes, with some being like allegories for characters in history for um, figures in history, excuse me, such as I think snowball is like an ally is like a metaphor for um, Stalin. Um, another one's a metaphor for Lenin. That might be wrong one-to-one, but like those are the, it's based off like the Russian revolution basically. Um, and like one of the, the biggest lines in the, in the book is whoever the socialist pig is, is like, and all right, everyone, all animals are equal. But some are more equal than others. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, <laughs> yep, there you go. Um, fun fun book, honestly. And kind of, it's like a little interesting, you know, whatever you think about socialism, you're, prog- you're prerogative. But it's just a fun book to read regardless, I'd say. Um, uh, uh, well, I think most of us probably have already read. So I actually was not in like the English class that read that one. So I never read it. <laughs> really yeah Yeah, because it's usually like a high school like freshman year high school book i think for most people and was it freshman year for you guys yes i think so i don't remember when but i definitely read it uh probably mickey and i went to the same high school so probably freshman year yeah i'm it sucks i like totally just didn't read it i think we read kite runner instead uh or it might have been catcher in the rye freshman year for me Uh, i I think right i think right catcher in the rye my junior year did you guys do uh, Kite Runner at your school or school no. district? I think I might have I did not, it. I did not read Kite Runner. Kite Runner was really good. I remember really, really liking that one. I remember liking Catcher in the Rye quite a bit as well. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, moving, all right. Uh, moving on to favorite moments. Um, I actually mentioned my favorite moment for, for this one, and it, it really is some of those Maru uh, romance things that come up. I'm actually watching it right now, tearing up a little bit. <laughs> um, on YouTube as we are recording right now. And Maru says, the night sky looks amazing. Come over here. I want to show you something. Not sexual. You know, it's the telesc- there's a telescope going on here. He <laughs> says, here, take a peek. Again, not sexual. <laughs> Just telescope. And then she asks, what do you see? And you can respond, a beautiful planet or a cold, dark abyss. And depending on your answers, it like changes up some dialogue choices. And cold she remembers abyss. that stuff. 
So, awesome. um, yeah, it's just a beautiful scene. I'll, I'll send it over to the podcast or put it in the Discord after. Um, it's got great music, good art, you know, that whole thing. And I, I'm only, I'm pretty amazed. And, and it's kind of like on that um, to the moon level, Matt, where it's like despite kind of the, the visual, it's managing to cut so deep when you're really invested. And I think Stardew Valley does a really good job of that for me where I'm so invested in like learning more about this character or invested in this world and this town that like the mu in combination with the music and just these simple dialogue things, it just like hits super hard. Um, did so you, did you cry it. when you were playing Stardew Valley at all? Uh, I think I teared up in like a, like a happy tears kind of way with mm. some of these things. To the moon had me bawling at the end of that game. I, I, I don't know if I bawled on tier, to the moon, but I definitely, I definitely, Dude, I, um, when I, there's a certain way I cry when I'm playing like video games that make me cry or a TV show. Like it's not like an animated cry, but just it just starts welling up, and I just accept yep, yep. it, and it just yep. starts streaming, That's and I'm me. like, yeah. <laughs> "Yep, <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly sniffling. me too." Yeah, I feel that. So I don't. I don't think I've ever had a video game make me cry though. I think "To the Moon" might be "To the Moon" made me cry, and uh, "Before Your Eyes" made me cry. Oh That's my god, game. dude! "Before Your Eyes" made me cry harder than any video game easily, easily, yeah. easily. Spoiler alerts, but God, anything as evidenced by the book or I was mentioning earlier at the beginning, anything with sick kids is just, I know. Oh my God. They're so Stop. innocent. What cry. do they do? What do they do? <laughs> death actually oh. doesn't do it for me. It's people's reaction to the death that fucking kills me. Uh, mm. I, I hate seeing sad people. It makes me yeah. sad. Oh, right. you're, you're in that Mickey and I'm, empath I'm an speaking. Uh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. I am an empath. All right. Uh, Mickey, you got a favorite moment? from your little bit of play there you gonna you gonna opt out of this one uh i i just love playing the arcade game that, no, that, okay. was, actually of, that was actually a lot of fun <laughs> love that matt what you got uh i got a kick out of the arcade games too actually i will say uh i really just enjoyed hanging out with the, the wizard in that brief moment where he had like the line about his wife i was just like what oh wait yeah. I, I actually did have a, a legit moment uh because I, I did do like i did quite a bit of fishing in my run and I, I only used the first rod you get and i caught an eel with one of my first catches and my and my group was like what the fuck how the hell did you get an eel already <laughs> oh that's a that's a rare one uh-huh yeah yeah Dope. um yeah, Matt, the dialogue in Stardew Valley is a lot like that. It's usually like pretty like one-off type stuff. Like there's yeah. not like big dialogue trees when you're like talking to people day to day. They just give you like every day they just give you one line and it's just a little bit of something where it's like sometimes you go talk to one character and he just goes, I hate my dad. And then that's it. That's like the dialogue <laughs> for the day. So you're like, oh, this guy must hate his dad. And then you go back the next day and then he'll be like, school sucks. And then like, you're like man, this kid's got issues. And then the really the whole thing is that you're just bringing items that they'll like to them in order to win their affection, like right. platonically oh, so you or everybody. That's, that's really the 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 mechanic of the game of actually like getting to know more people. And then as you up your status with people, you you can get more than one line out of them per day. So then it's just not just I hate my dad. School sucks. It's more like, man, my dad like abused me a couple years ago like it's like it gets a little bit deeper and you're like oh shit okay like this person's clearly opening up and like there's actually a pretty deep psychology to some of the characters but you really don't see it until you you play more um again double-edged sword there but big payoffs if you uh if you really do romance some of them um okay uh moving on let's just go nitpicks uh i don't have any I don't have any i'll let you guys take this away no, I don't have any. It's just I guess I wish there was a more clear end game, but that would that would defeat the purpose of what Stardew Valley is. So um, nothing, nothing for me really. Honestly, uh, it's just not a Mac game. So mm -hmm. yeah, I, I mean it deserves crap for not being a Mac game. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. The, yeah, the gall but, uh, of concerned gall. ape. Yeah, but yeah, uh, I, otherwise it's fine. I I don't think I have any nitpicks with it either. Like I I appreciate for what the game is just not a mickey game either not a hot mickey game not a hot mickey game okay all right let's uh let's go ahead and do our ratings here and then we can move on and i can just play a little bit more stardew valley 
Um, so here's where we give our final rating on the game, everybody. And just as a reminder, the way our rating scale works is each one of us is going to rate this game out of 10. We're going to add that up. The score is finally going to be out of 30. We'll see, uh, we'll see where this one lands. Uh, you guys ready? Yep. Three, two, one. Eight, ten. ten. All right. Mm. Yep. This is a ten for me. You guys gave it eights. So that puts it at 26 out of 30. Matt, what's that on our scale? Well, the hot Mickey dynamics kind of new here. It but, is. Um, <laughs> yeah, it is. It we'll is. just, we'll average that out or no, we can't, uh, math. Uh, um, we'll just say it's a eight. It's a Kakashi guy zone. Mickey and I both gave it eight. So yeah, it's Kakashi guy zone. Okay. Okay, cool. Our zone, our scale. We, I feel like we don't, we haven't used this one in a while, but we don't really record that many video game episodes. We only do one a month now, but yeah, Kakashi guy zone in the Naruto power scale scale for this podcast uh it's an 86 percent out of 100 so we're kind of right there on the metacritic scale not bad yeah yeah Yeah. no and you know again just my final thoughts you know this is a good game i recognize it as a good game it's not a mat game and you know i've i've had a weird year with games where not a lot has really piqued my interest so it really shouldn't take should it should not take offense yeah yeah I, i actually i wanted to bring this up um just this this elephant in the room matt you don't like a lot of the games we play. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, Lucas. Um, <laughs> it's just true. It's just, right, Mickey? Yeah. The, as someone who like, listens it's, to most of these episodes, he's a, he's a hater. That's a hater. <laughs> there's, there's, there's a few dynamics to this. One, <laughs> I am a hater. <laughs> um, <laughs> there you go. Okay. I think that hating is part of the fun for me. But two, um, the voting system hasn't worked out in my favor all the time. <laughs> a lot of the times, I, I knew this because, like, for example, I I even knew before we ended this, I probably wasn't going to like Stardew Valley. And I knew when Lucas put Stardew Valley, I'm like, I know that's going to fucking win. <laughs> pick <laughs> a that's game just that, such a pick, big name. Pick a game I know, that the but the games want. that I want to play and that I find like really interesting aren't always going to win, unfortunately. Um, and mm. I mean, you know, I think what it, like, what it comes down to for me is I like games that I find interesting. And that is purely a subjective thing. And I can recognize that, you know. Um, I think we have, there's some clear things that I do like. Like, obviously, I like games like Outer Worlds, where it's that like kind of action adventure RPG, like a Fallout, a, um, an Outer Worlds, a Skyrim, uh, probably what will be Starfield, right? Games like that. Um, and when I when I when I say a game that's interesting, I mean a game like Return of the Oberdin or Papers Please or you just like high that, con. You like really high concept, like strange, like unusual yeah. games. Yeah, like that. Those games are great. Undertale's great, obviously. Doki Doki is phenomenal to me. Um, what else do I love that we've played? Uh, to the Moon. Anything that can make me cry. Yeah, uh, anything to get me to feel something. Before your uh, Before your eyes. Yeah, before yeah. your eyes. Um, Inside was really cool. I thought Cuphead was just Stray. fun. Stray, Stray, fuck Stray. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but like I'll okay play the the, again before i play stray again but like I liked you <laughs> you didn't like oh god oh that game you didn't like cult of the lamb when you tried that and you didn't like persona when you tried that i, I that those that confuses me because those are both like pretty interesting those are those are by all means mat games i think my they are um i think i don't like turn-based combat as much as i thought i did for one and to, I think for the payoff, to really get the payoff of Persona, you have to go like 50 hours in, and I just don't think I'm willing to do that these days. And you know, in, in many ways, it's probably a similar thing with Stardew Valley. Like, you really need to invest the time into it. And um, I like more, I guess, you know, it's the same reason I'm never going to watch One Piece. I like contained experiences. I don't want to dedicate all this time to it. Because um, mm. there's so many other things I'd rather explore, right? I don't... There's so many other games I'd rather play that are 10 hours in length. I don't want to explore one game that's 60 hours in length necessarily. That's not to say there are some games that I don't want to do that. Like, well, I don't think I want to put 60 hours, but like I'm, I have another save of Cyberpunk I've been playing kind of passively when I can over the past couple months. I have like 20 hours in that. I'm having a great time with it, you know? You only have 20 um, hours in that? 
Safe? I've, it's really just been like an hour here, an hour there. Dang, I'm surprised. I thought I thought you were going a little bit harder on that. Yeah, I was with playing, how much you talk about it, it's I was, Chris. It's more. <laughs> yeah, well, I've I've been kind of just living in that world for the past like three months because of Cyberpunk Edge Runners too. Um, but it's been like a consistent like hour or two a week, maybe I'd say. Okay, um, gotcha. But um, yeah, I, I'm just I like high concept stuff, and then I like gaming games, Hades, you know. And we, we, well, Hades we is very episode. very easy to love. So yeah, we we should really do an episode where we really just trying to find like what we love about a video. What what makes a video game we love? Didn't we do that in our Mount Rushmore video games episode? Might be might be good for an update. Yeah, that's worth yeah. doing a yearly update. But then I loved Elden Ring too, and Elden Ring is a fucking hard game that you really have to put a lot of time into. So yeah, yeah. that's true. That's uh, you know true. what it is? I like what I like. <laughs> it's just such a shocker. I like such I a like. tough answer. I will say, right. I, I I do think at the very least I've gotten better about articulating why I don't like games throughout the course of this podcast. Yeah, um, I think I, th- I think my articulations against Stardew Valley are fair. Again, that's more of a, well, it's not really fair. It truly is just, this will be a game for some people and for some people it won't. Some people want that more like streamlined experience. But for example, God of War, I thought that was pretty fair in my critiques. They were harsh for sure, but I could at least back them up, I thought. No, I mean, Um, as a critic, as long as you're consistent, then you're fine. Then you're And I'm consistently a hater. Well, it's like if, you know, Dunkey has a video on criticism and it's like, if there's a guy out there who every movie they think every good movie they think is bad and then they say that a movie is good then you know that you don't want to watch the movie that they think is good like it's what what we are are like compasses for people to kind of gauge if they'll like it or not so there's people that listen to our podcast that they go i like every game that matt likes and i don't like every game that matt doesn't like therefore if matt likes the game i will probably like it and i will now buy it on the steam sale winter sale uh, which is going on right now. So it's that's the value that you bring to the table, right? As long as you're consistent mm-hmm. and like always backing it up, then it doesn't matter where you whether you like it or don't like it because your value as a critic is to guide the listeners. That was beautiful. Thank you. I'm giving you the credit where the credit's due. You know what I mean? I feel like I have value now. <laughs> you do. We all do. Yeah. We all do. That's what that's what this podcast is all about. But <sighs> all right, we can right. we can wrap it up here. I know we're I know we're over time. You can go ahead and wrap it up, Matt. All right, uh, everyone. As always, you can find us online at TFU Podcasts. It's at TFU Podcasts with an S at the end. Um, Linktree, Discord, you know the jazz. Shoot us an email. Links to playing podgmail.com. Hang out with your good buddy Matt on Twitter at Good Idea Matthew. Hot Mickey. Where can we find you? You can find me on on Twitter at teals underscore BCB, or you can find me chatting in the Discord, breaking news whenever I see, or just talking about some random smash trauma that I stumble upon, whatever, I vent there. Awesome. Uh, You can find me on Instagram at goodidealucas, or you can find me in the Discord to talk about game criticism, Stardew Valley, uh, World of Warcraft, been playing a lot of that lately, or Pentiment, which is the game that we're playing currently. I will say too. I just want to add. I'm. I might be getting ready to go sicko mode on Twitter, like respectfully. Um, <laughs> I'm starting to think that I need to just make some noise, uh, just to get more attention to the podcast. <laughs> so just say you're crazy. No, because it's thanks. Can you please put like that? Matt said this. I'm gonna. Do, I'm gonna do it on my Twitter account, and then just like, okay. also start posting more about because uh, the Twitter account on the podcast is so hard to grow because like. It's not that hard. I don't know. I, I have like more established connections already on my Twitter account, like even within the gaming space, kind of. Right. Um, I'll, I'll try to do a little bit of both, but I definitely, I feel like, you know, if one, one of us grows our brand, we all grow our, you know, a rising tide, yeah. Yeah. Rise, or a tide raises Rise. all ships, whatever. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Um, no, it'll be on my account mostly. I'm not going to sing TFP because I thought God of War was a six. <laughs> and I, I, I did start with saying, that I, I tweeted out on Christmas, <laughs> Spec Ops The Line is better than God of War. And only Mickey yeah. retweeted it. Thank you, Mickey. <laughs> You're awesome. Such a wild tweet. I, honestly, I, that, I think a I tweet like that <laughs> does have the potential to go viral, but it has to be even more zany. It's got to be yeah. more Atlantic. Yeah, yeah. And it's got to have a punch. I got to... 
I gotta be a hater. Yeah, yeah. Be well, I dude. Gotta, just watch a bunch of episodes. You, like, watch you, a bunch of Skip Bayless gotta, videos, and you'll yeah, get. You, you gotta put like some kind of weird metaphor to it. Like, <laughs> I did watch all this Skip Bayless stuff. <laughs> Did you watch him like, skip Bayless stuff, Matt? I don't Matt? care if he's been MVP 20 years in a row. He sucks. Like, dude, yeah. That's skip. like the gist of his stuff. Like, yeah, Matt, I think I think people are really loving the Matt Rockaby's the Skip Bayless of video games <laughs> take. I, I, I love it because, like, again, Skip Bayless has a lot of value because, like, when it's like he's the kind of guy where it's like, damn, if Skip Bayless made a good point, then, like, but, like it's like it, uh-huh. he kind of adds, like, this thing where it's like if he says something, like, that we can all agree on, the world is crazy. Like, that's insane. Yeah. So it's like that's the value that he kind of brings to the table. And just the arguing and the yelling with is just awesome. Mickey, you love <laughs> I think Skip, I need huh? to get. I think I need to get angry. Oh, no, podcast. I can't stand Skip. I don't know. <laughs> it, helps, a- it helps when we had uh highlight on and like highlight i love you if you're listening at this point <laughs> still but like it, it got into like almost like a like a mock trial debate you and me at a certain point i felt like <laughs> yeah <laughs> it, it was fun it was fun that was good that was all good right stuff. um well we've dragged on here um i think that's all we got today everyone uh this has been thanks for playing catch you next time scooby bop Thanks for playing as a production of Good Ideas Only. Your hosts are Lucas Luna and Matt Rockaby. Our music was done by the impeccable Sammy Luna. And our logo design was done by the talented Isaac Palestino. Special thanks to the Roll Call Bunch, Red Circle, 